It's a big world, and survival depends on the quality of your decisions. You need a diverse viewpoint to see all the opportunities around you. Now is the time, and this is the place. This is the Ellis Martin Report. When you hear us mention companies doing any kind of business, there's a large probability, if not a certainty, that the Ellis Martin Report is compensated for that mention. We're telling you this so you can make your own independent evaluation of these opportunities. Also, as with most leading edge opportunities, if you can't afford to potentially lose your investment, don't risk it. We make no personal recommendations about any sponsor on this program. We encourage you to do your own research. Yes, we do as much due diligence as possible, but nothing is completely predictable in this big world. Here's an idea. Subscribe to the Ellis Martin Report. It's easy and it's free. Visit us at ellismartinreport.com. And now, here's Ellis Martin. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with Blaine Monahan, the president and CEO of Pacific Ridge Exploration, trading as PEXZF in the U.S. on the OTC and on the TSX Venture Exchange as PEX. The company's goal is to become British Columbia's leading copper gold exploration company. Pacific Ridge's flagship project is the Clayhill Copper Gold Project, located in the Quainel Trough, approximately 50 kilometers southeast of Centera Gold's Keymass Mine. In addition to Clayhill, the company the company's project portfolio includes the RDP Copper Gold Project, option to Antofagasta Minerals, the Anjo Copper Gold Project, and the Redton Copper Gold Project, all located in British Columbia. Pacific Ridge will continue to search for projects that offer discovery opportunity in their regions of expertise. Blaine, welcome back to the program. Ellis, always a pleasure. Great to be here. Pacific Ridge Exploration has just completed a ZTEM airborne geophysical survey at the Chuchi and Onho Copper Gold Porphyry Projects in British Columbia. And that is very exciting. Tell us why, Blaine. Oh, it's exciting for a number of different reasons. I mean, first off, it's just another phase of exploration for Pacific Ridge this summer. It's one of our busiest exploration seasons in decades. We have a 6,000-meter diamond drill program taking place right now at Clayul. We have a 1,500-meter diamond drill program taking place at another one of our projects called RDP, which is optioned out to Antofagasta, one of the world's largest copper miners, and they're funding that program. And yes, while we're speaking today, we just completed this airborne geophysical survey over two other projects called Chuchi and Onho, which are earlier stage than RDP and Clayul, but we think will represent a fantastic opportunity to make a significant new copper gold porphyry discovery. And this sort of work here just helps us further refine and define targets for future drilling. So perhaps in the next several years, you could also see these projects drilled. Well, I noticed that Chuchi and Onho have some historical drill core there, so it's not exactly completely greenfield. Both Onho and Chuchi have seen drilling in the past. Chuchi is a very large system. It's seen more drilling than Onho, and it's returned some pretty interesting numbers. It's our belief that past operators that drilled these projects did not drill deep enough. They did not intercept the porphyry center. And this ZTEM geophysical survey 
is able to more deeply penetrate the earth to look for targets. So what we're hoping for this year is that we're going to come up with some new targets, whether they're deeper targets close to or underneath where the historical drilling has been done or new targets that have never been drill tested before. So this is a really interesting geophysical technique. We'll be coupling that with some sampling, some rock, some soils. We'll be doing some mapping. And as you said, yes, relogging some of the historical core. What can we see coming up in the next few weeks, Blaine? I think I have to be cognizant that almost everybody's on vacation now, but we're not. We're still really, really busy. We have about 30, 40 people in camp for the, the Clayul and RDP drill program. I suspect that drilling at both Clayul and RDP will be ending mid-September. We'll have boots on the ground at Chuchi and Onho to conduct some of that exploration work, the mapping, the rock and soil sampling, and relogging historical core in the next couple of weeks. So it continues to be a very, very busy time for us, but I think what's going to be most exciting for investors are the initial drill results from Clyol and RDP. And I'm expecting initial drill results from that Clyol drill program. These results will come in batches, so it won't be all the holes we drill. It will be a handful of holes initially. I would expect to see them sometime early in the fall, whether kind of a late September, early mid-October timeframes. We are very busy. There's a lot more taking place, but I think that's the most important news that people should be looking for or are waiting for. And review the share structure of the company, if you don't mind, for new listeners to the program. And to back up, when when I came on as president CEO of January 2020, I mean, this was a five cent stock. It had a 1.5 million market cap. Today, we're trading 41, 42 cents. We now have about a $35 million market cap. So we've made great strides, not only from a market cap perspective, but a share price perspective. And right now, our share structure, we have about 80 million shares issued. A big chunk of it is owned by several funds and institutions, Delphi, a German fund, Crescat, a US fund, and there's several other smaller. U.S., Canadian, and European funds in there. Management owns about 6-7% and the balance is retail. So I think that's a pretty good mix. And with only 80 million shares issued, that's not too bad also. I look forward to seeing you in a few weeks at the Precious Metals Summit in Beaver Creek, Colorado, way up in the Rocky Mountains. If there's only one show that junior exploration companies could attend in a year, it would be the Beaver Creek. It is really the best show for junior exploration companies and it. and it's really so popular that we as a company weren't able to register for it but we will be going and we've rented a small art gallery that's very close to the action and we'll be arranging our own meetings it just really need to be there and even though we weren't able to register, we'll have a presence and we'll be out and about shaking hands and eating a lot of rubber chicken. I don't know about the rubber chicken, Blaine, but I look forward to seeing you there. You got it. Well, Blaine, it's always great to catch up with you. I look forward to another conversation in the very near future. Thanks so much for joining me today in the program. Thanks, Alice. See you soon. I've been speaking with Blaine Monahan, the president and CEO of Pacific Ridge Exploration, trading as PEXZF in the U.S. on the OTC and on the TSX Venture Exchange as PEX. Go to the company's website, PacificRidgeExploration.com. This is the Ellis Martin Report. Would you like to be one of the first to see who we are following? Subscribe to our audio newsletter. It's free. EllisMartinReport.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me for a conversation with Robert Rolfing, the CEO of Desert Mountain Energy. 
trading on the TSX Venture Exchange as DME and in the United States on the OTC as DMEHF. Desert Mountain Energy is a resource company actively engaged in the exploration and development of helium and rare earth gas properties in the American Southwest for the substantial land holding at the Holbrook Helium Project in Holbrook, Arizona, the world's best address for helium with prolific historic production. The company intends on becoming completely vertically integrated, producing helium from their wells in Arizona for delivery to offtake candidates within the region. The consumption of helium, along with recent prices, has proliferated as its uses in the medical world, in computers, and other arenas has grown. Rob, welcome back to the program. It's great to speak with you again. Thank you, Alice. Appreciate you taking time. If you don't mind, since it's been a while since we've spoken, please bring our audience up to date as to what's happening with Desert Mountain Energy in, in Arizona and across the world. The number one ever thing that everybody wants to know is, what about the processing plant? How soon is it going to be? We're still waiting for a key aspect of it. It's not large, but we're waiting for it. However, sometime in the next two weeks, we will be doing a actual run-up of the plant at Generon facilities in Houston. There's bound to be some little things that have to be covered. And as soon as they get the other parts in, then they'll be finished, assembled, and sent out to Arizona. And once it gets to the site, then we'll have actual hard piping to run because it is high pressure. So we have a lot of other site work to do that won't be that complicated, but it's still a 10 to 14 days of work to be done on it after it's there. The solar part of the facilities, the panels are going to be delivered at the end of next week. There's a whole series of things that are coming along on that. The Gunner Dome well that we just had finished up drilling and setting casing. We have the completion rig and other manpower that we have to have. That is scheduled for the end of August. I'm looking forward to seeing that. We actually had some really great showings on this well when we drilled it. I brought it up before, Ellis, where I mentioned we use a mass spectrometer to sense because you're drilling with air. Everything that you encounter everything across the periodic table can be shown on a mass spec typically because you're drilling with air and you know how many if you're drilling with a thousand or 1100 or 1600 psi and 2000 or 3000 cubic feet of air per minute so when you see samples that are 6300 parts per million of helium it's significant because you're jamming so much air down the hole, it's carrying and cutting. So when we had some of the highest readings that we've seen thus far with the mass spec, so it really looked nice. We had great helium showing, had hydrogen, and then the showing that we had that was the largest, and it's on its own basically deeper, was an argon showing that was absolutely huge. Now, argon is a noble gas. It is used as a welding, shielding gas, and that type of stuff. I don't really really want to complete into that zone. That puts us back to the same thing that we would have on wells one and two, the original completion, where we had the rest of the noble gas, the krypton, argon, and argon requires more cooling to drop it out of solution. 
I'm not going to be going after that. It has a value, definitely. But my goal is to put the helium into production. And we did have other individual hydrogen showing sources. Everything was there as far as different depths where we thought we would encounter things. I was really proud of our geologic team. We were plus or minus four to five feet where we thought we should hit every zone. And for not having any clear seismic on it, that was pretty good. I was impressed. When I first started covering the company, probably almost two years ago, we weren't talking about hydrogen, but we're talking about it now, aren't we? You have significant amount of hydrogen. At some point, you'll be putting that into production and storing it. Not right away, but it's coming. And the technology for hydrogen with regard to electric vehicles has certainly changed to where at some point, it's going to become economical and available for everyone. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that what we would be looking to work with Beam Earth on is to basically, since we have basically a nitrogen environment, is to, for future production of, of the hydrogen, you mix it together and you make ammonia. So NH3 is the chemical compound. So you can get into that and it's easily transferred down the road and established. It doesn't require a lot of super high tech to move it. Most of the ammonia goes for food production. You just returned from a drilling technology conference in Bangkok, Thailand. You were the only speaker invited from an independent North American resource company. The conference focused on how emerging well technologies can facilitate sustainable practices in drilling and close the gap toward net zero. Now explain to me, if you will, how you were selected and why it's so important for you to speak to our friends in the ASEAN area of the world. Basically what it comes down to is I have a different take on how to look for hydrogen, clean hydrogen, how it's being formed in the non-normal accepted practice. Again, it goes back to Helium, how it's formed in the Earth's crust, and hydrogen. Hydrogen is the most abundant atom in the universe. The universe is comprised of about 98% of hydrogen and helium, basically hydrogen. But it's hydrogen is so unstable and how it moves, it doesn't behave like normal methane. Yes, it rises and you can have the normal methane sink. Methane is not lighter than air. It does burn. Hydrogen also burns, very unstable. You don't necessarily have higher BTU ratings off of just pure hydrogen, which is one of the other aspects. And you have the issues with transportation or trying to contain it. So since I had a different take on exactly where it's being generated in the Earth's crust, and not in the Earth's crust necessarily, but more in, into upper depositional sedimentary rock. They want to understand that a little bit more. So I discussed that. I had an opportunity to have a lot of very high-level meetings with representatives from a number of the G7 and G20 countries, and how we had already developed our processing plant. My original goal was to just decrease the amount of electricity that it could be required so that we could run it on solar because we don't have natural gas up there. There's no pipelines closed and you couldn't get one across all the jurisdictional ownership for right-of-ways. It would just be prohibitive. So how do you do this? And that's why I'd originally gotten into that. Well, the outfall of that in a very positive aspect, we have a nearly net carbon zero plant, and it's the first in the world, according to them. And we were recognized for our technological advances on compression and how we process the helium out and how we can strip hydrogen. So there's a whole series of things that they wanted me to speak about. That's how we got selected. We're the only company in the world doing that in a cost-effective, as close to a net carbon zero 
method. I have to commend you on being so innovative, taking advantage of the solar energy that is available almost year-round in Arizona and being a net zero operation over there. Now, I'm not sure that that is available in that part of the world, South Korea, Japan, Malaysia, Indonesia, but I would think that those countries and some of the sovereign wealth funds over there would take an interest in Desert Mountain Energy. Have you had any interest in broad-based investment in Desert Mountain Energy from that part of the world, either from the governments or individual entities over there? Can you speak about that? can't really speak specific countries and governmental agencies or private. I can say that, yes, I did have a lot of discussion. We'll see where they go with that. Give you an idea what Thailand was looking at. Thailand has set itself a goal of being net carbon zero by 2050. They are really into trying to figure out every aspect. And that includes geothermal. When I did one of the formal speaking engagements over there that will be posted on our website, part of an hour and a half, I think I spoke for 20 minutes and then they took the last 15 minutes to just for Q&A to me. And there's a lot of funds over there that have sat up and took notice of this. I'd say we're the only resource company from North America invited to the Asia-Pacific drilling technologies. It was gratifying on a lot of different levels for our company to be recognized as being innovators. And there's a lot of things that we do that have been around for years. It's just a different application aspect of it. Some of the food-grade additives that we choose to use instead of using other chemicals. And we are also recognized for actually trying to do our level best to protect the environment. We were recognized by a number of governmental folks over there where they said, in addition to all these other wonderful things they said, but they also were talking about ESG or the environmental and social governance. And they said our stance on protecting water with the multiple casings that we do and cementing them all into place, it adds 18 to 20% per well. It's not a small amount of money. However, we are going to prove up that you can do that cost effectively and be socially and environmentally responsible. If you want to, it can be done. So that was really gratifying to hear for our team and our company being recognized as because it doesn't say some huge oil company on the side of our door. If we're not, we don't grow. The Minister of Oil and Resources, he made a comment that all large companies started out with a single entrepreneur and a thought. And that's what he was relating to about with us, that they actually wanted me to speak more about the entrepreneurial spirit aspect. I mean, I was on stage with Schlumberger, the CEO of the head of Malaysian oil and the head of Indian oil from India. So that's who I was on stage with. They all acknowledged privately and otherwise that the gentleman who was in charge of the Indian oil company, he said, I'm jealous. Why? And he said, it's the true start of a real company that will be very large one day. And it must be fun. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work too. There's a lot of headaches. Some of my private discussions that we had, they were trying to understand how I had changed up like the membrane units, how they work and how the whole system works. Because it does do a combination of pressure swing, absorption and membrane. We actually have a capability of running 6.9. We can run grade 6 gas. The aspect is you can't run it at 10.5 million cubic feet a day and run 6.9. That is the downside of this plant design. But yet 
it'll run on the sun. So we have fixed operational costs going forward. And that's huge. From 2008, when I started designing the plant to now, the price of power, electricity in Northeast Arizona has gone up 148%. The plant is designed for at least 20 years, maybe longer. So it locks in your fixed costs. And these fixed costs have been paid for in advance. Yes, those are upfront sunk costs. Now there are, will be maintenance as you go down the line, like on the batteries, there will be maintenance over many years, but it's a fraction. The actual maintenance cost over 20 years for just the solar is only 1.87 million over 20 years. For the amount of power we'd be generating, it's, it's minimal. We're talking, I think the actual number was two tenths of one cent per kilowatt. That's cheap. And that's why your project is so unique in the energy space. Really, the cost of doing business comparatively is minuscule. It is. Again, sunk costs are incurred up front. And so the long-term maintenance is not heavy maintenance costs, which is good. I'm a shareholder of the company, and you're trading somewhere around $2.5 somewhere in that neighborhood, give or take 20 or 30 cents. So potentially, and I'm using the word potentially, there's a great deal of upside if you are in for the long haul with regard to Desert Mountain Energy. Absolutely. I'm one of the large shareholders, so I am definitely in for a long haul here. I'm not thinking short term at all. Rob Rolfing, it's always great to speak with you. I really enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to more in the future. Thanks for joining me today in the program. Thank you, Alice. I've been speaking with Robert Rolfing, the CEO of Desert Mountain Energy, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange as DME, and in the United States on the OTC as DMEHF. Learn more about the company by visiting their website, desertmountainenergy.com. I'm Alice Martin. You may assume that Alice Martin is a shareholder on any of the companies that sponsor the Alice Martin Report, which means he has a vested interest potentially in them. Would you like to be one of the first to see who we are following? Subscribe to our audio newsletter. It's free. EllisMartinReport.com I'm Ellis Martin. Join me for a conversation with Michael Townsend, Executive Chairman, and Zane Callion, CEO of Infinity Stone Ventures, trading on the CSE as GEMS, that's G-E-M-S, and in the U.S. on the OTC as T-L-O-O-F. Infinity Stone's mission is to be a one-stop shop, single source of supplier for the critical energy metals being used in the clean energy revolution. Infinity Stone is meeting the demand from battery and wind turbine manufacturers, nuclear and hydrogen energy producers and energy metal speculators by acquiring majority interest in critical minerals projects in stable mining friendly jurisdictions close to final use destinations in North American manufacturing hubs. With six projects in mining friendly jurisdictions such as Quebec and Ontario, Infinity Stone's portfolio includes lithium, graphite, copper, gold, platinum and palladium. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Great to have you with us today. Thanks, Ellis. Appreciate being here. Thank you for the time. You have some very good news that came out a few days ago. You've processed 950 samples from the Zen Wabiri property in Quebec. It looks like you have some anomalous nickel cobalt zones in addition to two new anomalous copper zones. Pretty interesting stuff. Cobalt and nickel are very high up there on the critical metals that we don't have enough of list. So we were very excited to get these numbers back. They're also coincident with our geophysics that we shot last year. They're going to follow up with some 
um, what they call hydro stripping. They use high pressure water to strip the top foot or two of overburden or soil off the property and get it down to bedrock. And then we'll start trenching and blasting that bedrock to get better samples, non-oxidized samples of the bedrock. The nice thing about this deposit is it comes right to surface. Whereas a lot of other deposits, you have to put a shaft down, could be 100 meters, could be 200 meters, could be 500 meters. So obviously when something's on surface like this, it can be an open pit. And that's a much cheaper way of mining. And it looks like the cobalt zone has some girth to it with about 100 meters in width. That's good. Absolutely, yeah, 100 meters wide. One of them was 700 meters long. 700. And one, oh, I think the whole thing is like a kilometer mineralization, which is about a half a mile for our U.S. friends. And you're all cashed up for what you need to do for the next few months, right? We closed a $400,000 flow-through financing, which 100% of those funds will be used for exploration. I know 400000 doesn't sound like a lot of money, but we did it at 20 cents Canadian. We didn't want to have too much dilution. That's all we had as a use of proceeds. We've got, I think, 200000 for our Rockstone Graphite Project drilling which we expect to start in September. And then we'll probably spend another fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 here on the Zen Warbury in the near future. Galaxy will be the other focus for sure. Yeah, and I think as we said before, operating in Quebec and Ontario for that matter, but Quebec especially, we're getting a lot of value for our dollar. So we're just trying to limit our dilution and provide the most value that we possibly can out of every dollar we raise. And since we're all shareholders in the company, we do care about the stock, obviously. Everybody does. It's been performing rather nicely in a market that's not necessarily fantastic for mining right now. We've been working hard all summer for sure. Also, I don't know if you saw that I've uh, had to file another early warning report suggesting that I've taken my stock holdings over 17% now. I bought another $195,000 worth of stock. We announced that about 10 days ago. I was also moved to executive chairman, which simply means that I am also an executive as well as chairman. So it's kind of like Zane and I are co-CEOs, except for he's CEO and president. I'm executive chairman, which is a a similar executive position or C-suite position. And yeah, I've been buying stock literally every day in the market, reporting it on my insiders. And I think that's had a pretty positive effect. People know that I've been around for a number of years and have been involved in several mineral discoveries of validity. So that's probably part of it. We're also starting to see a little bit more visibility on the U.S. markets as well, and a little bit more volume trading in the U.S. on the OTC. And we're hoping that we're going to have our OTC QB uplist here very, very shortly. We're in the process of that. And we will be presenting on August 23rd. The OTC is hosting a battery metals conference as well. And we're excited to be a part of that and get some more visibility in the U.S. And hopefully that will translate into a little bit more volume and visibility on what we're doing here. Well, that's one of the reasons, Michael, that I purchased stock in this company because of you. I know that you're committed. I know that when you invest your own money in something that you tend to take it somewhere. You have a big pallet of battery metals across the board here, and I think that is crucial. We cannot build enough mines in the next years for the demand that is facing the market right now. I agree completely. Also, I guess the Chancellor of Germany agrees with you as well, Alice. He's scheduled to visit Canada between the 21st and the 23rd of August, and he's here to talk about, of course, energy, also critical metals, and how Germany can access Canada's broad array of minerals for their car industry. That's more evidence that Canada is a good place to buy their minerals versus Russia. I mean, Canada and Russia, if you look on the map, they're very similar. One's on one side of the world and the other's on the other basically in the same northern hemisphere, but we have the same mineral endowment. You're going to see a lot of international companies and a lot of international governments come to Canada seeking energy security and critical mineral security, 
which they will receive from Canada. You're seeing every day there's more news in the EV space specifically that manufacturing is being focused in North America. Stellantis, who is formerly Chrysler Fiat, has indicated that they're going to really focus on Mexico as a manufacturing center for their EV supply chain. So I think having a North American supply of the, the critical minerals that will fuel that is really important as well. I just wanted to add before we forget that related to our increasing our liquidity and our exposure, Zane and I also had a pretty positive call with Canaccord in Australia regarding listing our shares on the Australian exchange too, where I believe they're about two years ahead of the North American markets as far as their appreciation of the battery metal space. Most of the companies that trade down there in the battery metal space traded a multiple valuation to what they do here. So they were really excited to hear our story and have an opportunity to participate at what they would deem a low valuation prior to a listing on the Australian Stock Exchange. For new listeners, let's review the share structure of the company. Currently, we have 65 million shares outstanding, very tightly held, very concentrated amongst insiders and people close to management is how I put it. Really tightly held, floats relatively tight. And I think as long as we can get some more eyeballs on the story and we continue to perform in terms of putting out results on properties that we're working on and move forward, I think we'll start to see some movement in the stock. Well, gentlemen, it's always great to catch up with you. I look forward to our next conversation, hopefully very, very soon. Thanks for joining me today on the program. Great. Thanks, Alice. Appreciate you having us. I've been speaking with Michael Townsend, Executive Chairman, and Zane Kalyan, CEO of Infinity Stone Ventures, trading on the CSE as G-E-M-S and in the U.S. on the OTC as T-L-O-O-F. Go to the company's website now and download their investor presentation, infinitystone.ventures. That's infinitystone.ventures. I'm Ellis Martin. Would you like to be one of the first to see who we are following? Subscribe to our audio newsletter. It's free. EllisMartinReport.com. Join us next time for more opportunities to discover on the Ellis Martin Report. Meanwhile, subscribe to the Ellis Martin Report. It's easy and it's free. Visit EllisMartinReport.com. Do it now. See you next time.